Welcome to Passion Life Church. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. And the truth is, is that all of us are being driven by something, right? And whatever is driving our lives in reality is determining the direction of where we're headed. But it's not only determining the direction, it's actually going to determine the destination. You know, I talk to so many people as a pastor and I love doing it. But in times of counseling, people will ask me, I don't know, or they'll say this statement, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I got to this moment. And this can happen when we don't really identify what is driving our lives. And you know, the truth is you can be driven by a lot of different things. You know, you can be driven by busyness and never be productive. Listen, church family, we can be driven by busyness and never even be effective. But it's just, you know, it seems like in today's age, busyness is, is kind of, people wear it as a badge of honor. You know, I want to be busy, but I want to be busy knowing that I'm going to be productive and effective. Can I hear a good amen today? You know, some of us can be driven by loneliness. And here's what can happen. When you're driven by loneliness, you can get into the wrong relationship right? And, and here's what's the tragedy of that, is you can get into the wrong relationship and still not be fulfilled. And the whole time you weren't driven by love. Listen, I just want to encourage you, never get into a relationship with somebody who is lonely. They will suck the life out of you. Get into a relationship because somebody loves you and you love them. Come on, isn't that true? Right? But this, the tragedy is if we don't identify that, then we can end up in a spot that we never wanted to be in. Really. And I think if we're led by the wrong influences, that's what happens. We end up in the wrong destination. And so here's what I ask myself a lot. I, I talk to myself and I say, Phil, if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, what's leading you? I'm real honest with myself. What am I being led by? Am I just being led by my emotions right now? Am I just being led by anger? What am I being led by? If I'm not being led by the Holy Spirit, then what am I being led by? But here is the great news for us as children of God. Are you ready? The great news is this. We can be led by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know what I love? That means we have an advantage. Come on, if you're watching today, right now in the chat, just put, I have the advantage because I have the Holy Spirit. Anybody grateful for the Holy Spirit? Come on, let me hear you this morning. And here's where the Holy Spirit's going to lead us. He's going to lead us to God's purposes for our lives. He's going to lead us to where we're going to be most fulfilled. And really, the goal of this series, my church family, is that we cultivate the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Come on, it takes two. Look, can I just quote these incredible, great poets from 1980? Really, Rob Bass and DJ, DJ Eazy-E. It takes two to make a thing go right. It takes two to make it out of sight, right? Didn't Rob Bass say, I want to rock right now. I'm Rob Bass and I came to get down. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone. Okay, never mind. You don't know anything about Rob Bass and DJ Eazy-E and poets of the 80s. But the truth is, it takes two. It takes you 
and the relationship with the Holy Spirit, you have to cultivate that. And you know what Jesus said? Well, Jesus didn't say this, but it's in the Word of God. It says, if you draw nigh to, uh, to me, I will draw nigh to you. In other words, he's already done everything. He stands there with his arms open wide, but he's waiting for you to take that step. And when you take that step, he will come in like a flood to your life. Anybody experience that? I have. But we need to draw nigh to God. And the truth is, we're as close to God as we want to be today. And I'm so grateful that God has given us the Holy Spirit to comfort us. We talked about this, right? That means we don't have to be alone. Now, we may have feelings of loneliness, but the truth is we are not alone. We have the Holy Spirit. He's our comforter, right? The Holy Spirit speaks to us and he leads us to all truth. I love this definition of truth that we've been talking about in the Greek. The word truth, the root word means nothing hidden, nothing concealed sealed. Nothing hidden, nothing concealed. He wants to lead you to that place of freedom. You know what? He wants to empower us to do what God has called us to do. Remember last week we said this, God never calls you to do something that he won't empower you to do. Let me take it one step further. God will never call you to do something that he won't provide for you to do. Can I hear a good amen today? And that's what we're going to do today. The next three weeks, this is about, look, God doing a work in us so he can do a work through us. I want to talk a little bit today about God doing a work through us. But look at this quote. You guys can keep it up there for a minute. Let's keep the slides up there just just for a minute so everybody can see it and, and, and write it down. Listen, God, before he does a work through you, here's what he does. He does a work in you. God does a work in you first so he can do a work through you. And we have been spending time on God working in us, leading us to truth, right? But here's the reality. If we are going to make a difference, because I talk to so many people who are just not happy with the state of the world. They believe that the world needs to be changed, that the world could use a a change. But here's the reality. Just complaining on Facebook, that doesn't change the world. Can I hear a good amen today? What we need is different makers. But if we're going to make a difference, here's the reality. We have to be different. So what the Holy Spirit does is he comes inside of you. He makes you different so you can make a difference. The work always starts in you so it can flow through you. And so I want to talk about what God can do through us. We've talked about what he can do in us, and that's the first work, but I want to spend these next three weeks talking about him empowering us to work through us. And we read last week how when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he empowers us to be witnesses, to make a difference. My church family, I want to tell you, we are called to be difference makers. Can I hear a good amen today? We are called to be difference makers. And so here's what the Holy Spirit has done. The Holy Spirit gives us access to supernatural gifts. And what these supernatural gifts do is they demonstrate his presence and his power. I want to say that again. So the Holy Spirit gives access to his gifts. The Holy Spirit has gifts that we're going to talk about today. And he gives us access to those gifts. Now, they're the Holy Spirit's gifts, but you and I have access to them. And here's the purpose of these gifts. The purpose of these gifts is to demonstrate his presence and his power. How many of you believe that our world could use more of the presence of God and the power of God? I want to ask that again. How many of you, because I personally think that's the cure. What this world needs is more of Jesus, not more of politics. More Jesus. 
Maybe I'm talking to a political crowd today. I don't know. But what the world needs is more Jesus. More Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit, what he's going to do is he wants to demonstrate the power and the presence of who Jesus is. And so I've entitled today, Open the Gifts. I want you to say that with me. Say, open the gifts. Come on, say it. Say, open the gifts. Now, as we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, I want, to, I want to tell you, there's a little myth about the gifts of the Spirit, okay? Now, let me give you a little, uh, just a little caveat here. People make this weird. The gifts of the Spirit are not meant to be weird. My church family, Jesus wasn't weird. You know how I know Jesus wasn't weird? Little kids like Jesus. Little kids do not like weird people. And they used to sit on Jesus' lap. Come on, somebody, right? And they love, and, but you know what? The church, and sometimes we get in the flesh about these things. The devil capitalized on that. This is not going to be weird. And so today, as we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, let me tell you one of the myths. One of them is that this whole thing is weird. Another myth is this. Only certain people can operate in the gifts. And that's actually not true compared to what Paul said. Remember Paul said last week, I I, I wish that you all would speak in tongues. That's everybody. So it's not just for a certain group of people. And he says, I speak in tongues more than you all, but I wish that you all did. Now look what he says. Now we're gonna read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse one in just a moment. But let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse one. You can look it on the screen. This is Paul talking in the Amplified. It says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your quest, and earnestly desire and cultivate the endowments or the gifts, especially that you may prophesy, interpret the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. So here's what Paul says in short. I wish that you all desire the gifts. That, and the Amplified says it's earnestly, eagerly desire these gifts. And here's what I'm going to do. Here's my job as a pastor. My job as a pastor is to take the cookies from the top shelf and put it on the bottom shelf so we can all have some. Come on, somebody. And if you're not saying amen, I, I, will, pro- I will promise you they are grass-fed, gluten-free cookies. Come on. So I, <laughs> bacon flavored. Come on, Jeff. Right? And so we're going to take it, and I'm going to take it, the cookies from the top shelf. We're going to put it on the bottom. And I'm going to break down these gifts because I actually believe this. I actually believe some of you are walking in this and you don't even know what it is. And I actually believe that if you start to see what these are, you're gonna desire this. Because Paul says, I want you to eagerly pursue the gifts. That's what he says. Now, let me tell you what the motivation behind the gifts. The motivation behind the gifts is not that you become Pentecostal or charismatic. Actually, gifts means charismatic and that you be weird. That's not the motivation of the gifts. The motivation of these gifts, the actual word gifts in the Greek means this, gifts that prove Jesus's generous nature. That's the motivation of the gifts. Now, the gifts are the instantaneous enablement in the life of any believer for the edification of another. All right? Now, actually, I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself here for just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Listen to what it says. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorant means not dumb. Ignorant means this, lacking knowledge or awareness. So Paul says, I want you to desire these gifts. And here's the reality. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be lacking knowledge when it comes to gifts. So it's time to open the gifts. Everybody say, open the gifts. Now, 
Christmas time at our house is the best time. We love Christmas at the Valdez's house. We're a little Griswold when it comes to that kind of stuff. When we decorate and all that stuff, we have our old Christmas tree that we put upstairs and then we have a, a Christmas tree that we put in the bottom that we just bought because we're in a new house. And so the little Christmas tree just doesn't go anymore. How many of you know what? It looks kind of like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, which is cool, but that one's upstairs. And so when you have, want people to come over, you want to have a nice Christmas tree. And as people in the church give us gifts, and I thank you, and I just want to pause just real quick. Somebody said, hey, you look a little schnazzy today, dressed. I just want to thank you because a lot of what I'm wearing today is because of what you guys gave me for my birthday. And I want to thank you for those gift, uh, gift cards. And I was really blessed, but at, the, at some point I was like, okay, they're giving me gift cards for clothes. I'm wondering, I, maybe this is a, a hint. I don't know. But anyway, whatever it was, thank you. But listen... Under our tree, these gifts start to happen, start to come because people in the church will give us gifts and so we start putting them and then sometimes we'll start to wrap gifts and we'll start putting them under for my son. Well, what we started to notice that my son, who's 10 years old, he would start to hover around these unopened gifts. I don't know if it's like this at your home, but he would just start to hover and like, kind of like Sherlock Holmes, you know what I mean? Like just kind of like, and he would just, and literally this, this is his posture. We'd walk in and we'd catch him going like, kind of like this, just like, and he'd be looking. At one time, we caught him on the floor like this, staring at the unopened gifts, just like this, just like. And not for five minutes, like 10 minutes. Like, and then one time, we told him, here's the rule, you cannot touch these. But one time he actually touched them and he shook a gift. I'm like, you cannot shake that. What if that's a puppy? You're gonna kill it. You can't do that, right? So he's looking at him. And then one time we caught him in the living room dancing, running around and just looking at the gifts and just dancing. Why? Because of the expectation of an unopened gift, the potential and the possibilities of what these gifts could bring. And I think, I believe God, like my son, is like that. And what he does is that he is so excited about the possibility of his presence and power working through you. That's why we've got to open up these gifts so people can experience. Come on, say it one more time. Say, it's time to open the gifts. Come on, say it louder. Say, it's time to open the gifts. And it's not just time to open it. It's time to use the gifts. I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. It says this. It talks about the gifts. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations. In other words, they're ministered out differently at different times, but the same Lord. And there are diversity, in other words, differences of operations. Watch this. But it is the same God which worketh all in all. Listen to verse 7. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to what? What does it say? It's there. Given to what? It's given to who? It's given to every man. Not just the clergy, right? Not just pastors. Not just apostles. Not just prophets. It's given to who? Every man. And watch this. To profit with all. And I said this. And I'm going to say it again. The motivation of this gift is for people to be able to see the generous nature of who God is. My church family, this is what the Holy Spirit will be doing in you. He allows you to access these gifts. He brings these gifts, right? And these gifts flow out of the grace of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help 
each other. I love that, that the New uh, Living Translation says that it's actually given to us so we can help each other. Now, you may receive one of these. You may be on the, a recipient of one of these gifts, but God may also use you to open one of these gifts at a certain time. And I want to show you how they work, all right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, this is where we're going to be for the next three weeks. It says this. It talks about the gifts. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So let's talk about number one, a word of wisdom. Now, let me tell you first what wisdom is. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. So you may know something, but you may not know how to apply it. Wisdom applies what you know. Now, here's what a word of wisdom is. And write this down if you're taking notes. A word of wisdom is the God-given ability to perceive the true nature of a matter and implement the will of God. When you think about this gift, listen, I want you to think about this. Wisdom, a word of wisdom is divine solutions divine solutions. And one definition in the Greek actually means this, divine solutions, the skill to manage divine affairs. Now, I'll try to give you examples of some of these so you can really see. It was a word of wisdom that elevated Joseph from the prison to the palace and from the palace to the second command under Egypt. Pharaoh, if you remember in the Old Testament, had a dream. Nobody could interpret that dream. Nobody could. And so he got all his soothsayers and astrologists and all these people and and, and sorcerers, and they could not interpret the dream. And it turns out at the time, Joseph was in prison. Joseph was in prison for a crime that he did not commit. Do you remember Potiphar's wife accused him of a crime, right, of rape? And so Potiphar, he put Joseph in prison. Now this tells me that Potiphar did not really believe that Joseph did it because the the penalty for rape was actually death. So he put Joseph in prison. And I was reading this this week and it said the captain of the guard put Joseph in charge of all the prison. Well, who was the captain of the guard? The captain of the guard was Potiphar. So not only did he not believe that his wife, uh, uh, what she was saying, but he actually put Joseph in charge of all of the prison. Now in his care were Pharaoh's butler and baker. And they were in the prison with Joseph because it was believed that the butler and the baker had a conspiracy to kill Pharaoh. So probably the but the baker was making some type of uh, concoction there to put inside uh, the meal for Pharaoh to eat to kill him. So they didn't know. But th- these, were, these guys, the butler and the baker, were under Joseph's care. Now, I think this is so interesting because the butler and the baker start to talk to Joseph about a dream that they had. And Joseph listens to the dream. And the Bible says he actually, and this is part of a word of wisdom. In the Greek language, a word of wisdom could actually mean a gift to interpret dreams. And so Joseph is listening. Now, listen, he's in the prison of his life. He's in the prison and he has his own dream that God gave him that has not come to pass. And he's listening to somebody else's dream. See, I think many of us today would be like, you know what? I don't want to hear about your dream because my dream hasn't come to pass yet. So you know what? You keep your dreams to yourself because I'm going to focus on my dream. Well, that's not what Joseph did. Joseph actually listened. He made himself available. He inconvenienced himself for the Lord's sake to listen to two guys' dreams. 
And he interpreted those dreams. And it turns out that the baker would die, but that the butler would actually go back into Pharaoh's palace, right? And when Pharaoh has this dream, they, they couldn't think of who, who could enter. Nobody could. And all of a sudden, the butler says, oh, I remember this guy. This guy, Joseph, he interpreted my dream. And so here's what happened. Listen, Joseph stands before Pharaoh. Now, I want to tell you something. I think this is so important, my church family, because many people want to go and step into the palace. Everybody wants to stand before Pharaoh. Everybody wants to put on that that incredible robe and stand before Pharaoh. Everybody wants to be the second in command in Egypt. Everybody wants to serve Pharaoh, but nobody wants to serve the butler and the baker in the prison of their life. And the reality of it is, is that Joseph in the prison of his life was still serving other people. And I'm passionate about this because I talk to a lot of people who right now they're in a prison. Right now they're going through a lot. And you know what they do? They withdraw from church. They withdraw from attending from church. They withdraw from serving in church. And there are many examples of people in the Bible that it was in their serving in their life that brought them promotion. Can I hear a good amen? And here's the reality. Are you ready? Write this down. Guess where Joseph found out that he could interpret dreams and have words of wisdom. You know where it was? It was in the prison of his life. In the prison of his life. Listen, it wasn't in perfect conditions, my church family. Actually, it was in the worst conditions. But him being available to serve somebody, him being available in the worst times of his life, God used him. And just like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 that we read, these gifts will cause you to prosper. These gifts will cause you to profit. And so he's standing before Pharaoh, and this is the dream that Pharaoh has. Pharaoh saw seven healthy, grass-fed, organic cows. Come on, somebody, we're in California. And then he saw seven regularly fed cows, ugly cows, and he didn't understand what the dream meant. And so here comes Joseph right out of the prison and he stands before Pharaoh and he says this, and this is a word of wisdom. He looks at Pharaoh and he says, the seven healthy cows are seven years of plenty, but the seven ugly cows are seven years of famine. And I love Joseph because he's walking in the wisdom of God and he's actually going to get himself a job here. He's actually going to get himself promoted because he says, hey, look, Pharaoh, this is what you got to do. You got to hire somebody who knows how to manage this. Wink, 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 wink. You got to hire somebody. And listen, here is the divine solution. Here is the word of wisdom. Are you ready? He says, you need to find a man that can manage this and save during the years of plenty. He actually breaks it down and says, Pharaoh, we need to save about a fifth of the harvest in the times of plenty. So in the time of famine, we'll have enough and more than enough. We'll have more than enough. And my church family, listen to what Pharaoh says, Pharaoh is an ungodly king. And in Genesis chapter 41, verse 39, he says this, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, "Inasmuch as God has shown you this ungodly king, recognizing what? The presence of God. Why? Because of a word of wisdom that a guy in the prison of his life had and was willing to serve Pharaoh. And he was the most powerful person on the earth at this time. And he says, he says, 
Inasmuch God has shown all of you this, there is no, listen to this, no one as discerning and wise as you. No one as discerning and as wise as you. My church family, I want to tell you something. Wherever you're at right now, it may seem like you're in a place where you do not want to be. You're working with people who you do not want to work with. Don't despise what God can do in your life right now. But you know, I just find, and, and if, if, you, if you could just indulge me for a minute, I, it's interesting to me how great, good Christian people don't want to serve. And, and, and number one, serving is the opportunity for you to be more like Jesus. I tell our team this all the time. Don't be afraid to ask people to serve because really what you're asking to do is you're asking them to give, you're actually giving them an opportunity to be more like Jesus because Jesus says, I didn't come to, to, to be served. I actually came to serve. Ladies and gentlemen, that, that's the son of God. And can I tell you that David was anointed king in the Old Testament and he had killed a lion and a bear and as the king, he was anointed, but he still went back into the backyard to serve his father. And he took care of sheep that were not even his sheep, but he took care of them. And then one day his dad says, tomorrow, uh, David, I want you to wake up and I want you to go and I want you to take these cheeses and breads. I want you, come on, I want you to take these Ritz crackers, come on, and this Telemook cheese. I want you to take it to your brothers in the battle. And here's the problem. Okay, his brothers did not like him and David was anointed king and he could have said, you know what, dad, I'm going to be the next king of Israel. Why don't you go find somebody else to do this? But the Bible says that actually David got up and he did exactly, if you read what his father told him and what David did, he got up the next day, he ran early. The Bible says, Jesse said, you need to get up early and you need to go early to the battle. He got up early, he got those cheeses, and he got those breads, and my church family, he went to take them to his brothers in the battle. Guess who came out only twice a day? See, Goliath only came out in the morning and in the evening. What David did not realize is the opportunity that what his dad was telling him was actually an opportunity that would change his life, and it centered around cheeses and bread. But because he did exactly, and he was willing to serve even as a king, he went and he gave those cheeses and those, uh, those crackers to his brother. And when he did, he didn't know that he would be faced with a giant that would actually launch him and catapult him and make him famous. My church family, Goliath only came out in the morning and in the evening. So David walked and he saw Goliath. If you look in the Bible, the most famous story besides the cross of Jesus Christ and Christmas is David killing Goliath. Sometimes people think that's his last name, David and Goliath. But you know what? He killed Goliath. And not many people understand. You know how he got the opportunity of a lifetime? By serving somebody else. Because he made himself available to serve somebody else. People who didn't like him. And let me just say this, my church family. If serving is beneath you, then leadership will always be beyond you. I want to say it again. If serving is beneath you, then leadership will always be beyond you because leadership is about serving people. The best leaders are the best followers and the best followers are the best leaders. Can I hear a good amen today?
And so we can't talk about these gifts without actually talking about serving one another because we make ourselves available, right? Taking cheeses, Joseph listening to somebody else's dream. Are you ready? I'm gonna go a little bit deeper. See, with Joseph interpreting and willing to serve the butler, the baker, and willing to serve Pharaoh, to that point, his own dream hadn't come to pass yet. This is why I believe, and I'm gonna be honest with you, it's so important what church you're a part of, where you're planted, because listen, our dreams are all connected. See, Joseph didn't realize that his dream was connected to serving the butler and the baker. Baker. He didn't realize that his dream was connected to Pharaoh. And in serving those three people, those three dreams actually catapulted his dream to come true. Come on. And what Joseph did that started out with a word of wisdom saved his whole family and actually saved what would become the nation of Israel. In my church family, it's as simple as a word of wisdom. Now, a word of wisdom, it also means this. Are you getting something? Am I helping somebody today? Come on, somebody, right? It's, I'm trying to make this simple because we, when we think of the word of wisdom, we think about, ooh, revival. We think about church. We think about the four walls of the church. The word of wisdom is actually meant for you to speak it in your family. Come on. It's actually meant for you to solve problems at work, that when you walk into a meeting, you have the solution. You have a word of wisdom. Can I hear a good amen today? But we've got to be open to this. But let me just tell you what the word of wisdom also means. It also means in the Greek, the ability to know and to deal with people. Woo-hoo! We all have people in our life that are hard to deal with. Please do not look at the person next to you. We all have people, right, at work. Anybody deal with some toxic people in their life? Come on, I tell people that's one of the hardest things about being a pastor is you have to deal with toxic people and help them without becoming toxic yourself. You have to deal with unhealthy people without becoming unhealthy yourself. But the word of wisdom will help you decipher even with people. Now, I'm not talking about judging them, but I'm talking about how to make decisions. Let me tell you a real quick story. You know, I didn't realize how hard being a pastor would be. You know, people don't realize it, and I I hope that we we make it look easy, but uh, according to a couple of studies, uh, pastoring is one of the five hardest jobs in the world. President, president of a hospital, president of... Uh, a college, pastoring, and there was, there was one more, maybe a general and an army. But because you're with people in their highs, you're with people in their lows. And it's a constant. There's sometimes during the week, I'm doing a funeral on one day, I'm doing a wedding on, on you know, at the same time during the week, and then I have to preach. And, you know, you go through all of those different emotions. But I didn't realize how hard being a pastor is because it's not just about preaching. It's also about dealing with people. And we have staff. And, you know, God forbid that we have to fire somebody or let somebody go, especially at a church. You know, you never want to do that. Well, we had a staff member, this was years ago, who I just knew that it was time for them to go. Their ministry was not growing. And usually a ministry is not growing when the person is not growing. And so they just weren't growing. We had talked with them. We tried to work with them. And again, I'm like, man, I want to help these people and pastor these people. How many of you know you can't help people that don't want to learn and don't want to help? You can't help people that are not teachable. You just can't. And I just, I I realized that. 
But here's the reality. I'm like, Lord, you know, I know these people. I know their family are here. And when they leave, they're probably going to leave. But how do I do this? How? Because this is the first time I've ever had to really like fire a person and, and let them go. And I felt like the Lord said, just, just wait a little bit. Just, just wait. Just, just wait. And usually you have to do these things quick because people that get toxic and stuff, that, that stuff can be real contagious in the church. And so I just was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to wait. And it turns out just maybe two weeks, this person called me and said, hey, I want to I wanna have a meeting with you. And I said, great. And we sat down and watched this. They said, you know what? The Lord's been speaking to me and, uh, and, and I feel like it's my time to go. I'm like, yes, it is the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, right? But here's the reality. I could have got involved in something that I shouldn't have, but it was a word of wisdom that God just said, wait. And my church family, here's, here's what I want to encourage you to do. You need a word of wisdom with your kids. You need a word of wisdom with how to deal with your boss. You need a word of wisdom, solutions, and how to deal with the people that you are living or or even working with. And so it was great because he ended up leaving on their own. Wisdom has been provided for you and I. You know, I love what James chapter 1 verse 5 says. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives it, what? Generously to all without finding fault and to all it is given to you. You know, my church family, we don't have to be ignorant. We don't have to be dumb. Come on, especially in the world of Google. But the Bible says, if you need wisdom, just ask for it. I tell my son is, you know, sometimes he'll struggle with his math or he just gets lazy and, and, you know, and he's a smart kid. But we have this saying in our house, dummies don't make no money. Dummies don't make no money. And you can choose to be ignorant. You can choose to be dumb. But the Bible says wisdom cries out in the streets. Come on, somebody. Wisdom cries out in the streets so we can ask for it. Come on, say a word of wisdom. Say this, say open the gifts. Here's the second one and the last one for today. The word of knowledge. Now, the word of knowledge is to know something specific without having learned it by natural means. Jesus was a master at the word of knowledge. You remember the woman at the well when he was sitting with the woman at the well? I love this because he's on a journey with the disciples and he says, I have to go through Samaria. Jesus was drawn to one person. I love this, that Jesus made himself available even for one person who needed him and he rerouted detoured all of the disciples on where they wanted to go and where he was going to go to into Samaria. They didn't like the Samaritans. The Jews and the Samaritans, man, they had a lot of conflict. But Jesus said, I am drawn to Samaria. Why was he drawn to Samaria? Because there was one woman that he wanted to talk to. And it's interesting because he meets her at this well. He's sitting at the well. And this woman comes to the well and she comes during the day. And women really didn't go to the well during the day, but she came during the day because she had a bad reputation with the men. So she didn't want, and maybe it was was some of the other women, maybe it was her with their men that she had had relationships with. So she did not want to go in the evening when all the women were there and they were going to talk to her, put her down. So she comes during the day, but little did she know she was coming to draw some water that she was going to have a divine appointment with Jesus. And Jesus is sitting there and she's getting water. And see, what this woman didn't know is that she had a spiritual thirst. And she was filling a spiritual thirst 
with natural means. She had a spiritual thirst, but she was using men. She was loneliness. She was, she was lonely. She was living the lonely led life. And you know what she was doing? Is she was filling a spiritual thirst with natural means. And Jesus starts talking to her and basically says this, I will give you water and you will never drink, uh, be thirsty again. And as he talks to her, listen to what he says. He asks her a simple question. And I learned this about a word of knowledge. Sometimes it can just be a question. And Jesus says this to her. He says, by the way, where's your husband? And she just goes, I have no husband. Think about this for a minute. What is Jesus doing? He's not condemning her. He wants her to come to a place of truth. Nothing hidden, right? Nothing concealed. He asks her a question. Her response to that would determine whether she would experience freedom or not. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, right, you say you have no husband. You know what? You actually have had five husbands and the one you're with is not your husband. And Jesus meets her right there and she takes a drink of living water. But there was a word of knowledge. What did he just, he knew something and something was revealed to him that wasn't learned by natural means. And listen, parents, God can do this with your kids. He can do this at work. He can reveal something. And a lot of times it has something to do with the future, has something to do with with the future. And here's what I love. Again, one word of knowledge, right? One word of wisdom elevated Joseph, right? One, One simple act to be available and serve, right? In David's life, promoted him. One word of knowledge. This woman was so touched. She goes back into the city in Samaria and she starts telling everybody, I met a man. And they're like, yeah, I'm sure you did meet a man. I met a man. And listen, she says, he told me everything about myself. Now, I don't know because the scripture doesn't say that Jesus outlined a whole bunch of things about her. But maybe to her, she felt like that was everything. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that Jesus actually stayed in Samaria three more days because one woman went back into the city and her life was so changed. Why? Because of a word of knowledge. A whole city was changed. All of Samaria was changed because of one woman and Jesus having a word of knowledge. And my church family, I just want to tell you, we need to open the gifts. We need to um, desire, God, I want to have words of wisdom. I want to have words of knowledge in my workplace. Now, I want to break this down and I'm going to pray for you. I want to tell you how it started for me. I flow a lot in both of these. I didn't always, but here's how it starts. Because everything is by faith. Just like you receive salvation, just like you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you say, God, I want to walk in the word of wisdom. I want to walk. Holy Spirit, I want to access these gifts. I want to walk in the the words of knowledge. So here's, I was open to it. And here's how it started for me. And maybe it'll start like this for you. I didn't get weird with people. But what I would do is when people would come and ask me, hey, Phil, you know, I'm going through a hard time. Can you pray with me? Yes, of course. Number one, I'm available. Holy Spirit, use me like you will. And so I began to pray for this person. And then all of a sudden, here's what I would say. I would feel in my heart that I need to pray for their father 
who needs a job. So I would just say, I would just pray for them. Lord, I pray that, you know, you heal them. There's breakthrough in their life. And right now also, Lord, you know, I just pray for their father who needs a job. And then what would happen is I would just start to see that that person would just start crying or start shaking. They would start crying. They'd look at me and they'd go, how did you know to pray for my dad? How did you know that he needed a job? I didn't tell you that. And I said, that's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is the power of the word of knowledge. I didn't get all weird. I didn't go get a hanky and run around the room and said, the Lord is telling me, I need to pray for your father who needs a job. I didn't do that. I just, Lord, I just pray. And then you know what? Sometimes I just pray and I say, you know, and I pray right now that you would heal the arthritis in her grandmother. And then they would just start to cry. How did you know that my grandmother needed healing of arthritis? Ladies and gentlemen, that's a word of knowledge. And so I would be standing there praying. And just like I see that camera, just like you see this, I would be praying. All of a sudden I would see something and then I would know that's the Holy Spirit. He's showing me something. And so that's why I would say what I say. And it's just a word of knowledge. And you know what it does? It just confirms how real God is. And let me say this and I want to close. It just shows people how much God loves them. Just like last week when I had a word for this young lady, we'll stop the service and we'll say, if God is showing us something about a person, we want to speak it. Because you know what? We want them to know that God will stop a service because he loves you so much that he wants you and he wants to confirm his power and his presence. I think that's the difference about our church is that we want a church that's filled with the power and the presence and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Can I hear a good amen, Passion Life Church? Come on, can I hear a better amen? Amen. And so you know what? You may receive a word of knowledge, but God may use you to give it. Now listen, last scripture, last two scriptures. Here's how it works. It's all by faith. First, I was willing to pray for somebody. And then I began to pray what I know. Write this scripture down. Psalms 81 verse 10. This is how it works. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out up of Egypt. Watch this. Open wide your mouth. And what God says, I'll fill it. Because sometimes we, we think we got to know what we're all going to, sometimes I don't know. All as I know is the first couple of, and if I open my mouth, guess what? He'll do the rest. That's where it takes faith. Because see, for all, some of us who are control freaks, we're like, man, this is just weird. I know it's because you always want to be in control, but then you never experience the supernatural power of God because God wants to show you what he can do through you, not only for you, but this is where we pivot. This is where our church pivots. This is where the series pivots. It's not just about what he can do in us. It's not about just being the bless me club. We pivot and we say, God, it's not just about what you can do for me it's what you can do through me now and there is a whole nother blessing on the other side of that when you're praying for someone and they're experiencing the presence of God because you became the vessel that God could use can we passion life church can God inconvenience our life to help make a difference in this world can God interrupt you in what you're doing in your busy schedule to listen to someone and to pray for someone to make a difference in this world and I I, I think it's amazing because 
a lot of the il- illustrations that I use weren't masses. Jesus talked to a woman at the well. You know what? Joseph was talking to a butler and a baker. David was taking cheese. It was so simple, but something so small had such a big impact. And I want to encourage you today. Let's not overlook the little small things. Don't overlook having a word of wisdom. Can I just tell you, you need to practice this. You know how you can practice this? For all of us who, who, um, who pray for our kids at night, pray over your kids at night. And then just, just say, Lord, are you saying something to me? Practice on your kid. Because you know what? If you mess up, they don't care. So you know what? And you what? You may mess up. There's sometimes, I, you know, I asked Larry uh, last week, I said, hey, when I, I, I prayed, uh, was, I, was I on? Was, was it okay? Yeah, it was, it was good. It was, everything was, and I asked people because I want to, I'm, I'm still learning how to do it. But listen, I want to step out. I don't want to just be reluctant because I may not say a couple of right things. But you know what? If I'm 80% right, I'm going to go for it because it can bless people. Man, it can turn people around. People, this is what the Holy Spirit wants. He wants people to see Jesus. And it's all done in love. Now, here's the purpose of the gifts, and I'm going to close. This is very important. It's not to judge people. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3 is next week as we talk about prophecy and different things. Watch. Here's the, the, here is the purpose. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. What is the purpose of these gifts? To edify people, to encourage people, and to comfort people. It's not calling people out and judging people. That's judgmental. And Paul is saying this. So when you get a word, a word of knowledge, it's going to be edifying to you. It's going to exhort you. And it's going to comfort you. Yes, it may bring you to a place of truth where you have to acknowledge and get that stuff out. But you know what? It's not to embarrass you. That woman at the well got free. And she experienced Jesus' power and she became a difference maker. That's the purpose. And today, my church family, it's time to open the gifts. It's time for you to stop looking at these as just, oh, Pastor Phil, you know, he's the anointed one. No, you are anointed. You are just as anointed as I am. I function in the office of a pastor, but you know what? The same Holy Spirit is operating in you. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, if you receive this, come on, give the Lord a great round of applause for his word. Would you stand? I know we went a little bit longer today, but we wanted to honor all of our, our military Would you close your eyes for just a moment? I'm gonna let you go in just two minutes, but I wanna say a prayer. You know, this all starts by first receiving Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. The Holy Spirit right now is drawing you. You can't come to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws you. And what, what a privilege. How beautiful that the Holy Spirit right now is drawing you to himself. And Jesus died on the cross and was punished for your sins so you don't have to punish yourself. You don't have to live in condemnation. But all you have to do is believe that that sacrifice, what he did on that cross, was for you. And I want to say a prayer because the first step is really inviting Jesus into your heart today. And it's very simple. We are saved by God's grace through faith. So God has already poured it out for us. Faith is just a response to say, yes, I believe. And so today, if you've never asked Jesus to come inside your heart, you know for a fact if you were to die today, You don't know if you would stand and be able to stand before a holy God. 
You don't know where you'd spend eternity. Today you can know. And the Holy Spirit is working in you because he wants you to spend eternity in heaven. But not just that. He wants you to experience heaven on this earth by having Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And I want to pray. And if you'll say, Phil, I need to invite him into my life, I want you to pray this with me. I want to ask everybody, whether online or here in person, to pray this prayer. I want you to repeat after me. So those saying it for the very first time, they don't feel like they're alone. Let's say, come on, let's say this with a, say, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all my sins. I repent today. I turn from my ways to you. Jesus, come inside my heart. And today, I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to live for you. Keep your eyes closed for just a moment. If you're ready for God, through his Holy Spirit, to open the gifts in your life, will you just put your hands out like this? If you're ready to say, God, I'm available. You know, Paul told Timothy, you got to stir up the gifts, man. I, I pray right now for those, Father, that are ready that you would stir up the gifts inside of them. Lord, that from Passion Life Church, there would be world changers, difference makers, people who are living the spirit-led life, who are speaking into their businesses, speaking into their families, divine solution, word of knowledge about the future for people. May many people come to know you, your presence and your power, God, because we are opening and using the gifts that you give us access to by the Holy Spirit. Stir it up in them, Holy Spirit. I pray that there would be an unusual desire in your people today to make a difference, to help people, to serve people so they would know you, not us, but you, God, you, God, in the name of Jesus. And I come against fear in Jesus' name. Lord, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And I come against intimidation for people in stepping out. Lord, that we would begin to step out in faith. Lord, I pray that right now faith would be stirred up in your people. Father, to speak. That's why it's called a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, because they need to be spoken out of our mouths. And Lord, you're faithful. If we will open up our mouth, you will fill it. And you'll fill it with wisdom beyond our own intellect. Wisdom with things that we have not studied or educated ourselves with, it will be divine. And what a privilege, God, to be able to be used by you. It's life's greatest privilege to be used by you, God. And Lord, we thank you for allowing us to share access to these gifts that your Holy Spirit gives to us. Lord, I'm believing for great testimonies in these people's lives that businesses will not be the same, families will not be the same, this church will not be the same because of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, come on, put some applause emojis in that. in the box there on Facebook or YouTube. Listen, my church family, it's time to get bold. 
This world needs Jesus at this time more than ever. I want to encourage you. Invite some people to church. I know this is a holiday weekend. I appreciate you showing up. But um, next week, let's invite some people. And let's have people experience the presence and the power of God. We'll continue next week. Hope you enjoyed it. God bless you. And we love you. Enjoy your holiday. And you are dismissed. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.